0: Good evening, everybody, and happy St. Patrick's Day <laughs> for, for episode number 33 of the Freshman Parking Lot. Uh, another another great uh, green and white uh, number 33, Larry Bird, probably episode 33. So we're tying it all together here. Um, got, how, how, how
1: Irish are you guys? This much. That much? That much. <laughs> Big goose egg on that one. A lot so of Dutch. A little bit. Carrying the show tonight. Yep. All right. You, well, hey. You got us. I got my green
0: beer in my O'Rourke's mug. O'Rourke's is the Irish pub across the street from the University of Notre Dame. Um, I got the the uh horn from the St. Patrick's Day Parade in St. Paul, Minnesota, that we always marched in when we were kids. Uh, we're, we're pretty Irish over at our house, even with the last name Bosch. Uh, but my mom's last name was Rooney, and so we uh, we partake in the festivities. Got it. All, All right,
2: right, so, you, like, so I've got to ask the cabbage. Question.
0: Sorry, go, Brad.
1: Go ahead, Brad. Oh, I was going to say. So, what's the earliest you've started drinking on a St. Patrick's Day?
0: So I say that we partake in the festivities and honestly, I've never, it's never been that type of a holiday for me, to be honest. Um, I will say that one year we, that this is usually our first week of softball practice at the high school, right? Um, In a normal year where we haven't been pushed back because of COVID. And there was, we usually try to practice Monday through Saturday that first week. And we usually try to go Saturday morning. So there was a Saturday of that first week that was St. Patrick's Day one year. And I took the coaching staff out for green Moscow mules after practice. So it was probably like 9.30 or 10 in the morning. But that wasn't like, oh, we're going to be in the bar all day long. I've never done that on St. <laughs> Patrick's Day. I've never done that. Okay. So. Fair enough. I, I don't I know. I not either. I'm assuming I'm missing out on something, but. I'm, I'm still alive, so I'm, I'm good. You're, miss, you're missing out by being
1: asleep at 2 p.m.
2: That's what you're yeah. missing out on.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. I'm a, on my way to school this morning, I did see a guy in the big St. Patrick, the leprechaun hat, double fisting beverages at 7 o'clock in the morning, walking on the sidewalk. So I doubt that man is still walking right now. <laughs>
0: Fred, I know where you live. Where was this? <laughs>
1: Oh, I was dropping off kids in daycare. It was over <laughs> on Rockwell Avenue. Um hey, we don't need Ustero. to give the guys
0: address. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh no, he was far away from a house. I don't know where he was um, coming from or where now, he was
0: going. Now, in terms of that time of day, I mean, before I before I was uh done with, with school in Whitewater, I was working at Menard's in, in Janesville and working at 5 a.m. So I'd leave the house about 4 30. And on St. Patrick's Day, it was real dangerous driving that time in the, in the morning through town because kids were already everywhere, lined up outside of bars, ready to go at like 4.30 in the morning. Um, so, Justin, you went to Whitewater as a traditional college student. Did you ever uh, participate in that? No,
2: no. If I would have started drinking <laughs> no. at 5 o'clock in the morning, I would have been asleep at 11 or dead. It would have been <laughs> one or the other <laughs> So there's just, there's no way. No.
1: Fair enough.
0: I like a beer as much as anybody, but that's a bit much. All right. All right. Uh, I'm a little self-conscious because I can already tell on the camera that, uh, I think my tongue's going to turn green from this beer.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Most of our listeners have transitioned on uh, to one of the podcast forums now. So we're good. Hey,
0: hey, that's a great point on the opener, Brad. Uh, We need people to subscribe to the YouTube channel or subscribe to the podcast on one of those many podcast apps. Uh, You can also hit Brad or I up to join the Facebook group, Freshman Parking Lot. And um, I think you can become one of uh, like 12 or 13 followers on Twitter at Frosh Parking Lot. So hit us up. (laughs) All right, should we kick this thing off? What's that? What do we got from Q tonight? What do we got from Q tonight? We've got a Q from Q. Hey, Q, this is the last one in the envelope, I think. So uh, I don't know what you've been spending your time on. I don't know if you're like lesson plans or what, but we need some more questions. Um, So there are 41 NCAA coaches with over 600 wins. Only three have a winning percentage over 800 who are they first of all I love that these questions we've pulled them out completely randomly and they've been pretty relevant with the times like the tournament starts this week yeah, Perfect. yeah so I'll say that again uh, there are 41 NCAA coaches with over 600 wins only three of a winning percentage of over 800
1: who are they okay Woo. I got a couple ideas I've got
0: I think I got I, three. I've oh man, I've actually got more than three. So, I mean, I'm I'm going Coach K.
1: Absolutely. Yes.
0: Uh, do you guys so want Dean me to say too. all of mine? Or okay, Dean would be one of mine. I was gonna say Roy Williams, and then he was gonna be my other one. What about Calipari?
2: He coached enough. He's coached six hundred games, right? That's like oh. what about twenty seasons?
0: I would imagine that he he's has. Had to,
2: Six hundred wins, uh, maybe he's he, not quite old enough.
0: He went to the NBA for a little bit. True. What about a guy like Bayheim or Jim Calhoun? Ooh,
1: yes. I was going. I was going Bobby Knight, but I don't think he's over eight hundred.
0: I was going to say Bobby
1: Knight as well.
0: Um, uh, is this is this specific to men's teams. It does not. Oh, so- <laughs> it does not say. Ooh. Because we've got what we've got. Um, Gino and Pat Summit,
2: Summit? Yes, correct.
0: On in Tennessee. On the women's side. Um, What about a guy by the name of John Wooden? He's pretty good, right? One he was okay. He was okay. Yeah. All right. So, by the way, we're only supposed to have three. We've named like a dozen coaches.
1: good. <laughs> hey, we've, we've got, got to get them then at least. <laughs> we each have three. So there's nine right there. Yeah. Perfect. All right. We'll, we'll
0: hear the answer in a few. That and and that question was from Q. So, Justin, why don't you tell us um, something you and Q have very near to dear to your heart that's going to kick us off today?
2: Well, Q and I um, are both runners. Q a bit more than I am these days, but we both enjoy running. And in the past, oh, year, year and a half, or two years, the world of running and specifically distance running has really seen a multitude of world records and national records broken. I'm almost at an unprecedented clip. And honestly, even within like the last eight months, there have been like seven new world records set, both on the track and on the road. And one of the reasons potentially for this, this change or these new records is because Nike has quote, upped their game When it comes to shoe design, um, they've released a series of new shoes that um, at least appear as though they're able to return more energy back to the athlete than previous models were able to do, making them more efficient, Um, anywhere from maybe one to one and a half percent more efficient. This doesn't seem like all that much.
0: It doesn't, say, but it's got to be.
2: Well, Here's what it is. Let's say you're an elite man running the 1,500 meters in the Olympic finals. In the Olympics, they don't run the mile, you know, like we do here in America. They run the 1,500, which is just one straightaway shorter It's called the metric mile. And it's kind of like, it's, it's the primo distance event at times on the track. If, if you have a one or a one and a half percent advantage, that's worth 15 meters worth of distance on the track.
0: Holy cow. Yeah. yeah if and you those races,
2: if, if you pay attention to those races, those races are won by like two meters or a meter. So if you have a pair of shoes that can give you a 15 meter advantage over a competitor at the most elite of elite levels, that is huge. And so my question to you guys today is, Is that okay? Is is our technological advancements in sports a good thing, or should we put in rules in all of our sports, kind of these ceilings that that keep technology from advancing above and beyond? What are your thoughts on
1: that?
0: I, I think it's a very gray area and i th- and we know th- how
1: much you love the gray.
0: Yeah, I'm super comfortable in the gray. Uh not at all. And and Justin, I'm super uncomfortable with you asking me this question because you're much more intelligent than I am and you're going to twist me into circles and corners. And I'm just going to end the podcast and we won't even publish this because you're going to make me sound stupid.
2: I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I, look, I don't I my personal opinion is well, I'm not really sure what my opinion is. I'm just I don't know what you guys know. Should we put a ceiling on technological advancements and, and yes.
0: choose any sport you want to talk about? Yes, I think we should. I mean, for for historical references and purposes, it needs to at least resemble and be in the same hemisphere or or universe as what it always has been. Certainly human beings have changed and evolved and the equipment has, and and even, you know, the running surface or, or any other surface that they may play, be playing on. But when to a certain extent, I think, and I don't know what that extent is. I think it goes too far. And I don't know if we've reached that extent yet either. Are you, are you being specific to well, a single sport right now or just generalization? I, I think generalization right now.
1: Well, in in, in my mind, automatically went to a couple different things. One is golf, right? Like the Mm -hmm. golf ball, the golf club, the technology there that A, it's going further, B, it's going straighter, C, it has more control. So those things have been evolving over since the game of golf started. My other mind went to being in high school and getting that East Bay catalog. And as a basketball player, I looked at the lightest shoe possible. I had huge feet. I have size 15 shoes. So I was all about trying to find that basketball shoe that had the least amount of ounces associated with it. So I would buy that shoe thinking that I was going to be able to jump that much higher and give myself an advantage. So if, 15, 16 year old Brad can, can have that mindset. I just, just it's it's normal competition to try to get that edge. Uh, but I do agree there's a ceiling there. I don't think the ceiling is on shoes. I think shoes, unless they're, you know, giving you a roller or, or you know, a little uh, extra puffs of air coming out the back to, to propel you further, it's fine. Um, I think it comes in a lot of, uh, like he was using golf as an example, the club, the material, the, um, the ball itself, you know, for me, golf, every golfer should have to use the same ball. I think that levels that playing field from there. Um, So I I think I I
0: like where your head is at because me being a a baseball softball guy, there's, extremely strict unbreakable unless you're cheating regulations on the bat you, you know and and that goes with length and and weight and diameter and and all and materials and and all other kinds of things to where you're not all using the same thing but you know what you can't use um i think i i think i also agree like the, the shoe, that might be one thing um, that I don't necessarily have a huge, huge issue with, although I don't know a ton about this shoe. But one of the things I looked at to kind of prepare for tonight was the, the um, I don't want to call them track suits, but the uniforms that some of the track runners have worn recently that actually have like little wings on them. To disperse air and create a bigger air bubble around and, and reduce drag on on the athlete going through air, make them more aerodynamic. Um, and to me, that gets to be into an area where, gosh, I don't know that we're really. I, I don't like. I don't like the direction that's going. Can
1: I,
2: well, can I still a little bit?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I knew you would.
2: Well, that's. As my wife would tell you, that is what I do. (laughs) And it drives her bananas. We fight a lot because of that. Um, I would argue that, first off, I would say, if we're going to put a cap on technology, where are we going to put that cap? Are we going to decide decide that we're going to play with golf equipment like they did in the 1960s? or the 1980s, or the 1890s? What's the right mark? I think that's really a difficult thing to, a choice to make.
0: Can I, can I, can I, I ask you that th- quick? Sure. I don't think you can, uh, well, I, sh- I shouldn't say I don't think you can go backwards because a sport like baseball at the amateur levels has yeah. done exactly that with bats and in the name of safety. Um, and I think they've done a, a better job than anybody has of regulating it. But, but in, in something like golf. I don't know that you can put the toothpaste back in the tube. I think where, if you're going to put a cap on it, where it is right now is where you put the cap. I don't think you go back retroactively in my mind. Yeah, that probably makes sense.
2: In terms of those little, of those track suits, I guess my argument would be, why are we trying to, why would we not use technology to our advantage to run faster, whether it's shoes or suits, or track surface. Um, If it's only because of historical records then we're deluding ourselves into thinking that the technology used in sports today is comparable to the past at all because it's not. Technology is way better in every single sport. Humans are not. We have not evolved in the last 200 years. But isn't that what we should be measuring? The human? Sure, but we measure humans and their athletic ability in the context of the situation they find themselves in. And technology is in that. It has to be viewed within that context. So but 200 years ago, human beings were identical to human beings today. Jesse Owens was just as human as Usain Bolt. Usain Bolt would have whipped the living daylights out of him because of technology not because of this evolution that's occurred within the 70 years between Jesse Owens and Usain Bolt. So I say, let's just keep the technology going. Records are going to be broken and we have to view those records within the, the, the context of that the technology that they use, right? Like if you look at Arthur Ashe playing tennis, Arthur Ashe was an amazing tennis player.
0: With a wooden if you racket, gave him a
2: racket, for, if, you, if he played against a modern player with his wooden racket, he would get destroyed. But if you give him modern-day technology, then you can argue he would be
1: competitive with today's tennis players. So well,
2: that's kind of how I want to
1: view sport. I would disagree with that, Justin, and the fact that human DNA maybe is, is the same. But when you look at the evolution of the athletes a 1960s football player looked a heck of a lot different than a current NFL football player. If you put Arthur Ashe on, on the court, physically, he is not as strong, as durable, as quick as the players are. Yes, the racket makes a difference, but the training is so much higher today and, and what the body is capable of doing today is much more than those athletes from years, decades prior.
2: I, I don't think that it is capable of more. I think that what we've done is as sports has taken up a bigger um, like hold on society, I guess. I don't know how to say that. I don't have the right words. That's the right word. We, we have gotten much better at specializing into sport based on body type. Whereas back in the 1960s, you could get a pretty small guy to play on the offensive or defensive line at say Notre Dame in honor of St. Patrick's day. But today, if you're going to play on the line at Notre Dame, you have, you have to literally start at a certain height and a certain weight. Right? Well, nobody's uh, if- not walking onto the field. I don't think it's, I don't think we're, we're, stronger. I think that culture has, has pin, pinpointed our where we're going to be most successful. And then from there technology in the form of training programs and access to appropriate diets and the weight room, that's all part of technology in my brain that has led to you know, monsters on the, on the goal line.
0: And, and I, I totally agree. That's all part of technology. I think that is a different category of technology than when we're talking about this evolved equipment Mm -hmm. that we're talking about. Um, Really what both of you have done is you've just made the case for why baseball is the greatest sport of all time. That's what you've done because, (laughs) and, and I, I, Certainly say that with a little bit of joke, but not really. Because if you think about it, outside of a couple of guys who we think probably weren't doing it naturally, anyways, we want to talk about other things that we put into our body, there's a lot of records that have stood for decades and are coming up on, on almost a century because essentially the game is the same. We're using certainly, yeah, we might be using different kinds of wood. And the, the athletes are bigger, faster, stronger, and the ball might be more lively, but damn, those records still aren't falling. And and I'm obviously most notably speaking of a home run record.
1: And and I just used uh, the technology which is Google real quick, just because it brought up and I didn't research it beforehand, but made me think of well, haven't humans been getting bigger and taller over over time. And I just uh, did a quick search while Brian was talking that over the last hundred years, the average human height has increased by four inches. Yep, so it's gotta be nutrition. Body, it's it's a hundred percent nutrition. It's it's not evolution. Sure.
2: That's all that's all more people are getting adequate calories now than
1: a hundred years ago. Okay. So you're saying DNA wise we're the same. <laughs> yes, we are the same. It's, it's the
2: context of the time that we live in that has added to that height. It's not, it's not DNA. It's just that's the environment that we find ourselves in right now
0: in the year 2020. And I think Um, with, with Justin, you said the hold that sports has on society with that has been an explosion of money. So people have a much bigger incentive to try and build themselves or, their kids or their pupils into these physical specimens that are going to excel. Yes. Yeah, for sure. So if you put all of that together and you get, you know,
2: records being, being broken, at least some of them, at least some of them. And so I just think, I think that when you, to me, when you see on ESPN that this record's been broken, um, this world record has been shattered. We always have to keep in mind the context of the environment that we find ourselves in. It doesn't mean when you break a record, it doesn't mean that you're the greatest ever it just means you've done something better than anyone else. And in part, we have to say that it's not just you that did that. It's the environment that helped you do that. Sure. We don't do that though. Sure. In sports we say, Oh, you broke that record. You young man, you young woman are the greatest ever. We never give real consideration to the environment we find ourselves in.
0: Outside of a
1: couple oh, of circumstances.
0: Yeah.
1: And that comes where the championships are, right? So in yep. your era, were you the best? Were you the greatest? Yes. How many wins did you have yep. versus versus that quantitative number, right? Um, right? You know, average 32 points a game or whatever right. that looks like. And in,
2: and in part, that's isn't that what makes sports great? Because then you can sit around and you can say, I think that guy from 1960 was way better than this guy from 2020, even though their numbers don't match up 100%. You can have those at-the-bar conversations with your friends um, because even though it makes Brian
0: uncomfortable, it's a gray area. You know what, though? I kind of blacked out there when you said at-the-bar. <laughs> I just want to go back <laughs> – At the bar with you guys and have a conversation (laughs) way too loud, not because we're drunk, just because we're loud. That everybody else wants us to shut up, and we're not gonna because we're cooler than them.
1: (laughs) That's what I want. Hey, hey, CDC did release that uh, vaccinated people can hang out in the room together without masks together, so you got to get there, right? So close, get there, so (laughs) close, Yeah. 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 Um. Well,
0: hey, I I honestly, I researched a few pieces of new sports equipment as well or, or things that have evolved. I don't even know. I, I like where our conversation is at right now. I don't even know if we have to go there. I like, if, I like where we're at, too. It's fun. Perfect. Perfect. We we can argue about that other stuff some other time.
1: We won't argue. It'll be, it'll be a nice just conversation. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to let you argue with this one. Ooh. Um, I know that you guys are, are both baseball guys. We got baseball coming up, and I know you're both country music um fans as well. Hey Justin, so would- who'd you listen to today at school? Uh, George Strait. Weird, so did I. <laughs> Bizarre. <laughs> oh, so my would you rather tonight is would you rather have Garth Brooks' career? or Ken Griffey Jr's career. Oh damn. Oh man. The kid actually you can go
0: you can go first or second, I don't care. This actually at first glance was harder than I thought. This is easier than I this is easier than I originally thought.
2: This is easy for me. It's the kid for sure. And the only reason why is because he has the smoothest left-hand swing I have ever seen in my life. It
0: is beautiful or was beautiful. Love it. Um, it's the kid and it's for several reasons. One is that swing. Mm. Okay. Um, two is the way he he ran and he never looked like, he looked like he was loafing all the time, but he was just gliding. Um, three is the fact that I hate it when kids wear their hat backwards on the field, but I love it when he does. So there must not be anything wrong with it. Um. Four is Chris Gaines.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right, I was I was going to make a point that my pick would be Garth for a lot of reasons, but you just went there, so I don't think I can even, even go back on that. Got
2: all about Chris. What a weird, bizarre yeah. part of his life and career.
0: And, and by the way, I have a fifth reason on Ken on, on Griffey Jr., uh, there's actually just recently been a piece on him, I think, is on MLB Network, where they they show obviously a lot of clips from his career, but then they're doing interviews of him now, modern day. Uh, he's he's gotten a little bit big, like people tend to do. He, I think, there's no question in my mind that dude was natural. He did all of that stuff natural. He's he aged. He he got injured at the end of his career quite a bit um and he's he's got a, a as as much of a world-class athlete can a, a little bit of a dad bod going on right now like he did Ooh, it the he way be, it should have been doing
1: he might be dad bod plus a little bit right okay.
0: now and he and he, he can be
1: he's earned it <laughs> he's
0: totally earned it all right um I wasn't sure where I was going with the when in Rome. Um, I, I'm going to keep it St. Patrick's Day, I think. Um, when we were kids, uh, Rooney's Nursery, long time sponsor of the show, uh, we, we would, me and my brothers and my cousin, my mom and my aunt and my grandpa and other aunts and uncles, Rooney's Nursery, would go down to say, we'd get out of school on St. Patrick's Day. We'd go down to St. Paul. And we'd march in the parade, and um, how I remember this going was we would then get a shamrock shake from McDonald's. That's before they started putting the freaking whipped cream and the cherry in there, and they put it in the. They didn't have the clear cups either. This was the real deal. Um, wh- what, Justin? That was you, you sounded so much like an old man right there. Like I'm angry at the get, get off. My mind. Mind. I am. You know what? Get out of here. I, I tell them now. I said no cherry and no whipped cream. And the next time I go, I'm telling them and get it, put it in the pop cup, not the clear cup. <laughs> um, but anyways, how I remember this is we'd get a shamrock shake on the way home, and then my mom would make us go back to school for the last half hour. <laughs> that is harsh, man. Now, that might not be right, mom. You can correct us if we're wrong, but that's how I remember it. So my went in Rome is. Have you guys ever been in a parade? And if so, what for?
2: Um, I've been in a couple parades, nothing big, like little local. Um, I grew up in, well, part of my life grew up in Evansville, Wisconsin, small town, you know, 3,500 people or whatever. So I've been in the 4th of July parade a couple times um, as like a Relay for Life type representative. There was a time when Evansville put on a pretty dang big relay for life and my mom was involved in that and so I was I was drafted to be in the parade (laughs) to hold a banner
1: all right Uh, no I'm going with I I don't think I've ever been in a real parade except does like homecoming parades count as as a high schooler So sure, I've been in a homecoming parade, and as a coach, we always had a FFA or football parade uh, float. So I've been in a few as an advisor, but yeah, not marching as a kid. All right. All right. right.
2: Cool. Well, did you know, fellas, um, Brian, you mentioned that baseball's got some records that haven't been broken in a long time. So does track and field, even though we talked a little bit about some new shoes leading to a bunch of new world records. um, There have been some records that have been around for a long time. And I think that maybe my favorite world record of all time sat on that track behind me in that photograph in Tokyo, Japan in 1991. It's in the long jump. Just think about that. That's a record that's almost 30 years old. A long jump and every time I see the number that Mike Powell jumped that I night, was gonna
0: ask if it was Mike Powell
2: Mike Powell that night in Tokyo at the world championships Mike Powell and Carl Lewis between the two of them broke the world record three times in a head-on-head competition back and forth for the gold medal it's like a heavyweight fight is that? it's absolutely incredible did you know that on that night in 1991 Mike Powell jumped 8.95 meters for our American friends that are listening. It's 29 feet, four and a quarter inches. Damn! And I don't think you can really appreciate that distance until you see it
0: with your eyes. Say that again. Say that number again.
2: 29 feet, four and one quarter inches. So here's what I'm going to do. For our listening friends that work in the building and see us regularly, stop by my room tomorrow. I'm going to mark off that distance right outside my classroom on the hallway floor so you can just appreciate how freaking far that is. For those of us- It might be
0: your whole hallway. Correct. So can you break the the long jump down for us? Um, What's the length of the run up? And then my other question would be, I know in some track and field times they adjust for wind. Was wind at all a factor here today on this date? If the wind speed is above a certain number of meters per second and
2: it's aiding you, in other words, it's, it's on your back and pushing you. Yep. You can jump, but your jump won't count for a world record. So it has to be under a
0: certain threshold. Okay. Okay. So terms, I guess in terms of, what were the factors that led to this three times in one night? I'll tell you in a second.
2: You're not going to like the answer. It's technology. It's <laughs> yeah. In terms of the length of the runway and what's your run up, that varies athlete by athlete. Um, you get to decide what you want that run up to be. Now, you don't get, you know, 700 meters, which would be a ridiculous run up anyway. Yep. But, but because everybody has a different stride length, um, you dial that in essentially so you don't you don't scratch so it's
0: it's essentially 30-ish yards
2: say say a maximum of 100 meters but no one starts with 100 sure okay you know in terms of why did the record go down that night the way it did a couple of reasons um may perhaps the biggest reason was the surface that that track was made of it was reported to be one of the hardest tracks in the world. And the harder a track is, the more return in energy you get when you push down hard, the faster you can run. And being a good long jumper, you've got to be fast, gotta be fast. Um, Why hasn't it been broken in 30 years? They tore the track up. They tore the track up. The fastest people in the world these days don't diversify. They only run fast. They specialize. And I'm a fast person. I'm only going to run the 100 and the 200. I'm not going to waste any training time on the long jump. That's that's my opinion.
0: Kids, stop specializing. You can break records and win medals. Thank you.
1: Well, and I was going to ask, is is it a mon- – you know, I, I always go with money drives everything, right? So if you are yeah. an elite athlete – I'm guessing the monetary compensation for a 100 is probably more than a long jump triple jump.
2: Yeah, I mean if you're one of the better if you're one of the best
1: 100 meter
2: runners in the world, you're gonna get a bigger shoe contract than the best long jumper.
0: In well okay, all we have to do is is Justin, you can't play this game, just Brad and I. Uh, Brad, name a 100 meter sprinter. Oh Usain Bolt. okay, Name a long jumper. Crickets, <laughs> not for thirty years, right? Right, right. Twenty-nine feet? Are
2: you kidding me?
1: Unbelievable! That's crazy. Okay. Is that the long? Is that the oldest track and field record? I was going to ask you that when we were talking no. technology. There, there are some
2: older ones, but they're very suspect. Um, in
1: the throwing events, the
2: discus and the shot put, there are some world records that go back into the eighties. East Germans. Very, they're very suspect because they're East German record. <laughs> and they had state-sponsored doping at that period in time. So I think it's pretty clear that those records um,
0: are not legit uh, under current standards. That's an assumption that you're making. It is. I didn't <laughs> test those people. I didn't test those people. But uh,
2: the East German women's swim team fielded men. So just saying. <laughs> <laughs>
0: We're not gonna go any deeper on that subject.
2: <laughs> they uh, they hey. were like
0: shooting up with straight
2: testosterone before swim meets. It's insane. You <laughs> D- dive into the world of East Germany.
1: Good stuff. Hey, yeah. who's our who, who's our three coaches from Q? We we had a bunch of them out there. I think we we are all on on board with Coach K. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Uh, so I'm I gonna re- I'm gonna reread the
0: question. That. There are forty-one NCAA coaches with over six hundred wins. Only three have a winning percentage over eight hundred. Who are they? All right. Uh, by the way, Q is texting me right now. Um, <laughs> didn't know okay. we were on live. I didn't either. Oh, fellas, um, I'm going to tell you that John Wooden is the only one we got. Wow, who do we forget? Um, so, this is through the 2019 2020 season. Okay. Mark Few of Gonzaga, 602 wins and an 830 winning percentage. Nice. He added it. Adolph Rupp of Kentucky, 876 wins and an 822 winning percentage. John Wooden of Iowa State and UCLA. Six (laughs) hundred and sixty four wins and an 804 win percentage. Um, Little little nugget on little nugget on John Wooden. Um, The reason he ended up at UCLA and not the University of Minnesota was a blizzard. The phones were out when the Gophers called him and he never heard from the Gophers and had given his word to UCLA and didn't think it would be right to go back on his word. Um, very, very principled man. Um, it says only one other NCAA coach, including D two and three, has six uh, six hundred plus wins and over an eight hundred winning percentage. They coached in Wisconsin. Ken Bull Anderson. Ryan. I thought Bull Ryan or um, or um, who's the other guy. Who's, what's the guy's dad at uh, from Virginia? Oh. Um, Who the hell am I thinking of? He took the Badgers to the final four. Yeah, big Bennett. Bennett. Bennett, big, big Bennett. So, so it's Ken Anderson from Eau Claire. 631 wins and an 806 winning percentage. Okay. So um, Q pretty much stumped us. We got John Wooden.
1: Yeah. I, hey, I like the question. I, I like do too. Very timely, very
0: timely. Very timely. All right. Well, hey, should we uh, should we wrap this up, fellas? Do it. All right. Um, thanks for joining us for episode thirty-three of the Freshman Parking Lot. A reminder: our our sponsor, I think tonight was O'Rourke's from South Bend. I think that was the sponsor that in Rooney's Nursery. Uh, so, hey, join us on uh, by subscribing on the YouTube channel. Join us on the podcast apps and um, join us on Facebook or Twitter. And until next week. <laughs> signing off.